You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. Family Matters. 15 minutes after 11 o'clock. Let's start with our discussion on our Family Matters feature today. And we, we are having a conversation about the mother-child relationship. And I know you may know of people that take decisions that they may not want to take. They do things they don't want to do, whether it's on relationships, on career paths, on raising their kids, whatever the case is. But they do that because they want to please their mothers. I want us to talk about what's behind this, right? Why do daughters so often seem to want to please their mothers or even sons, right, often want to please their mothers? And and maybe if if you find yourself in, in a different position where you feel the need to to uh, to, to please your father, you can also uh, just share your experiences with us. Why do mothers want children to be like them? Because often the pressure comes from them. Like most of them will live vicariously through their daughters. And this puts so much pressure on their daughters. So I want us to look at the consequences of this. What happens when girl children experience this sense of failure in pleasing their mothers? Right and winning their approval. And what should you do better as a mother? What can you do better as a daughter, as a son, with these expectations and pressures? We've got our guest who's guiding us through this discussion, Jeannie Cavey, who's a clinical psychologist. And I'm going to take your calls on 011-883-0702. Please share your experiences with us. Are you that kind of a mother? Have you realized that you've been putting so much pressure on your own daughter right, to somehow follow on your footsteps and do what you want and 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 as a as a girl child maybe even as the boy child have you felt that pressure of wanting to please um your mother i'd like to hear from you on our whatsapp voice notes as well on 072 702 1702 thank you so much for making time welcome back uh happy new year happy new year clement thank you so much for having me back it's always so much fun to be here so why do daughters often seem to want to please their mothers? Okay, so it's such a beautiful topic that um, you guys wanted to discuss today, and it's so rich and multi-layered. I just wanted to start off with a little bit of a disclaimer that, you know, mothers are people too, and 96% of the population is not a sociopath, so we can say that 96% of mothers, at least, really are just trying to do the best with raising their children, and have been raised in situations where they don't maybe have access to um, relational skills, interpersonal coping mechanisms, and are really just trying to do their best. So this is not a mommy bashing session, but to really just help people unpack and understand the relational dynamics in this specific kind of relationship. Um, Giving moms the benefit of the doubt that they're just really trying to do the best that they can do with the skills that have been made available to them, um, and this is just maybe some more information to look at this particular relational dynamic in another light to empower people to be more effective in their relationships. And like I said, we're zooming in on this particular relationship between the mother. Obviously, it's, it's fathers as well mm. and siblings and school and teachers and school friends. But we're focusing on mothers yeah. today and specifically on the mother-daughter dynamic, even though we would also love to hear from, from the men out there. But we're zooming in on that particular dynamic. And the the mother-child bond in general is a subject of much interest, research, commentary, and mystery across many contexts and subject disciplines. 
And like I said, you know, mothers are often criticized, but even romanticized as to how a mother should be and this unconditional love and this perfect carer and this perfect nurturer. And the reason that mothers are so interesting to us is because the mother-child relationship is a one that is crucially, crucially important for a person's relational and emotional development. And so because of the importance of this relationship, it has such a big impact. And this can feed into relational dynamics like daughters wanting to be a lot like their mothers mm-hmm. um, or their mothers. Um, and their mothers also wanting their daughters to be a certain way in the world, not only because they want their daughters to be like them, but also because we have this illusion as parents that there is such a thing as a pain-free life. And if our children can just make the right decisions and make the right choices and be a certain way in the world, they will be guaranteed this pain-free life. And our idea of what this pain-free life looks like can become a lot of pressure for that person. So there's two main things. The one is the importance of the mother-child bond. And specifically in the mother-daughter bond, the fact that mothers want their daughters to be like them or make the choices that they think and the different facets mm-hmm. and dynamics of that. So I don't know where you'd like us to start unpacking with that first, Clement. Yeah, so I, I want us to also just clarify that sometimes it's not like clear instructions, right, where a mother says, choose this career or be with this kind um, of a man or a woman. But sometimes even when it's not communicated, the the, 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 the daughters may feel that pressure so as a mother, you don't necessarily have to say, this is how I want you to do things. But there are certain things that you may do, that you may express, which are not necessarily instructions. But then when they are translated to the daughter, then they feel anxieties around you and they feel, I want to do this because I want to make my mom happy. What's behind that for, for the daughters to just want to do that? Even, even when sometimes they're not even sure, but they think this is what my mom would be happy about. That's such a beautiful um, observation that you make there, Clement, that it doesn't have to be direct command, that it can often be what I call internalized. So clients come to me and they say, nobody puts this pressure on me. I put this pressure on myself. It's internal. A client was telling me about that at school. She felt all this internal pressure to perform. And a bit tongue in cheek, I said to her, oh, so did you go to a school where there weren't award ceremonies and there weren't prize givings and things like that? And she said, no, of course, no, I did. I said, oh, but all this pressure is internal. And she's like, well, I guess not. So it's internalized from the messages that are communicated around us. So if you as a mother are always talking about how you want to lose weight, your daughter will understand that, okay, for a woman to be appropriate, she should weigh less. If you as a mother are talking about your friend's child who went and studied a degree that you think is a waste of time, not even to your daughter, but just in front of her, mm. these messages can be, these messages can become internalized. Um, and so you've got to be very mindful about the kinds of things that you are saying about other people to and also in front of your child. And also in terms of the language that we only have really available in our culture to express approval and very limited language that we have to express acceptance. So you might say to your daughter, you know, there's lots of people saying, don't tell your daughter that she's beautiful. Tell her that she's brave and strong and kind. And that's definitely a step in the right direction for her to not develop her whole self-worth around her appearance. But even when you say to your daughter, you're strong and brave and kind, your daughter says, oh, mommy likes it that I'm strong and brave and kind. I have to be strong and brave and kind in all situations in order to keep my mother's approval. Now, why is mother's approval so important? Would you like me to go on, Clement? Yes, 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 please. 
So why is mother's approval so important? And then we can unpack the, the, the mother's decisions around how they would like their daughters to be in a moment. But why is the mother's approval so important? And that is because the mother bond is crucial for the survival of the infant. So it's programmed into us on a deep subcortical level to affiliate with our mothers, to identify with them, to bond with them. There's a wonderful branch of, of science called fetal origin studies. And that's all about what the baby's experience is three months before they're born and three months after they're born. And these fetal origin studies show us that babies typically even cry in the accents of their mothers. So French babies have got a French accent when they cry, even though they don't speak French. Mm. Babies have got an English accent. Zulu babies have got a Zulu accent. So they recognize their mother's um, accent and they mimic the, they mimic the accent the lulls and the pints and all of the different points of the accent, they mimic that so that their mother attaches with them and is in, going to ensure their survival. They even prefer flavors that their mother ingested when she was pregnant. Mm. They've done studies with aniseed and babies whose mothers had aniseed when they were pregnant would drink milk with aniseed in when the babies whose mothers didn't wouldn't obviously drink the milk. And they recognize their mother's voices from a whole wide range of other sounds. Because if a baby is familiar to their mothers, the mother's more likely to take care of them and ensure their survival. And the mother is the one that is most likely to ensure the survival because the mother is the one, um, anciently speaking, is the one that feeds the child. So therefore, this relationship is crucially important to us. It's as important to us as A. It's programmed deep into us that if we are going to survive, we have to bond with the caregiver. And typically speaking, anciently speaking, this is the mother. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I want us to get into the mothers uh, shortly, but uh, please give me a call. I see some of your voice notes that are coming through. I want to know what your experiences are. 011-883-0702. How has your relationship with your mother changed and evolved over the years? Or how has your relationship with your daughter evolved over the years? As a daughter or as a son, did you ever feel a need to please your mother, right? Did you go to extraordinary lengths uh, to please and impress her? What were those? And at what point did you realize that, actually, I'm not living my own life here. I'm doing what would make my mom happy. Someone sent me a tweet, um, Gwen, who says, uh, Clement, if you know uh, anyone from Limpopo, you know Bomma are always right. Bomma basically mothers. And, and Gwen says, if you listen to the mothers, you are guaranteed to stay out of uh, trouble. So Gwen says a lot of people from Limbopo are like that. So uh, even th their sons will say no, but this is what my mom says. This is how my mom would want us uh, to approach this particular matter. So please uh, send me your voice notes, 072 I'll play them shortly, but I'm taking your calls as well on your experiences. Are you one of those people that constantly wanted to please their mother? Or are you that kind of a mother? When did you realize that I need to allow my daughter, I need to allow my children to live their own lives? Ginny, the mothers who want their children to be like them, what's behind that? So um, I've referenced this book so many times on the show before, but it is just really that good. And there's so many dimensions and layers to this book. It's a book called Far From the Tree by a guy called Andrew Solomon. And he notes in this book that the primary drive for having children is to experience a sense of immortality for the, for the um, parent in passing down their genes. Studies show that parents typically tend to prefer children who are more like them. And parents want their children to be like them because the more your child is like you, 
the more you are likely to feel that your genes are being passed down and get that sense of immortality. They've even done studies in families where there's abuse. And the abusive parent is going, is more likely to abuse the child who looks like them the least out of all the children. So if a child looks like the parent, they're less likely to abuse them. And so mothers also subconsciously wish their daughters to be like them along many different dimensions of occupying their definition of the gender role of, of women. Boys, children also, but a little bit more to a lesser extent because they cannot be like their mothers in their gender role definition. Mothers also may subconsciously desire their daughters to be more like their ideal version of womanhood, one which they themselves may or may not have managed to live up to and then can vicariously through their daughters have their last chance to be good enough or even try and help their daughters to win the approval of the environment by being the kind of woman that the mother has learned through her internalized message that the world wants them to be. So this puts the, the like we said, enormous pressure on the daughter, whether communicated directly or, or even indirectly. And like we said, it's not only with girl children, it's also with, with boy children. Mm. I went through a little patch with my son recently where he didn't want to wear his hair in a side parting anymore. He wanted to scrape it down on his forehead. And he looks a little bit like Lloyd Christmas for, from Dumb and Dumber mm. with his little... And he's, you know, he's five and a half now. So it's very easy when they're babies. You can dress them how you want. You can even call them the name that you like. You decide how their hair is going to be. And then they start to become their own person. And I even caught myself saying to him, but look, mommy's hair is to the side. Don't you want him to put your hair like mommy? So it is with boy children also, but I think it is exacerbated with girl children because of the dimension of gender role and a mother wanting their daughter to, first of all, be safe in the world out there, but also wanting them to be like themselves to get that subconscious experience or their ideal self to get that subconscious experience of their own immortality. Mm, yeah, I've got a message here from someone who says, Hi, Clement, if anything, I don't want my daughter to be anything like me. It is my hope that she's better uh, than me in everything that she wants to do. Thanks. Uh, thank you so much for sending us that, that message. I've got more of your messages that are coming through in your voice notes as well. I'll get to them after the latest in eyewitness news headlines. I'll take your calls as well. 011-883-0702. How are you navigating your relationship with your mother? How has that relationship changed and evolved over time? What have you done? Like, have you gone through extraordinary lengths uh, to please and impress your mother? And as a mother, I want to hear from you as well, right? Do you accept that perhaps that's the pressure you've been putting on your daughters, perhaps even on your sons? Um, or when did you realize that I need to allow them to live their own lives? Um, I want to hear what your experiences are, and I'll get to that after the latest Time Witness News. And Jeannie will also take us through how what you can do as a daughter, what you can do as a son to break out from those shackles of pressures and expectations from your mother. But what you can do as well as your mother to have a better relationship and allow your children to be who they are and not put unnecessary pressures on them. That's the discussion we're going to get to after the news. It's 702 Family Matters. Um, thank you so much for the experiences that you, you sharing with us on the voice note line, on the SMS line, and, and I'm going to get to your calls shortly as well. We're talking about uh, the mother-child relationship and the pressures that often come from the mothers. How are you navigating that? Have you had to do extraordinary things just to please and impress your mother? 
Let me read some of the messages that came through um, a little earlier, and then I'll go to Jeannie Kavey, who's a clinical psychologist, to just respond to that. Someone says, Clement, this conversation about moms and girls is awesome. I'm just thinking about my relationship with my mom. Wow, so much truth. That's a message from Amy. Another person says, hi, Clement. So do you think the fact that my mother was a gambler, I'm also addicted to gambling, It sure feels like it. So someone reflecting on the mother's addiction and how they're addicted to it. Hi, Clem. Uh, Please keep me anonymous. As a daughter, my relationship with my mother has seriously deteriorated because I've gone against everything she deems as important. Unlike my peers, I'm divorced and my career hasn't progressed in a way she likes. I think I represent everything she has been taught and I'm more outspoken and I challenge uh, the status quo. That's another SMS coming through. Somebody else says, uh, Clement, this is Tapelo from Mufolo. My mom has always preached good academic performance as a standard procedure. The worst thing I've done was to forge my university transcript just to please her. Yo, I just couldn't bear her words had she seen my true results. I feel like my siblings have disappointed way too many time and I just have to be that light in life. Oh, I think you're trying to say the disap- the siblings have disappointed her many times and, and you now have to be that light in her, la- in her life. She's widowed, um, mother of six. Sure, imagine having to commit fraud because you want to please your mother. And unfortunately, those are the pressures that a lot of people are feeling, right? Because my goodness, how dare you disappoint mommy? This is how mommy wants it to be done. These are the voice notes that you've been sending through. Hi, it's John here from Scent. And I think it's very important to focus on the daughter's experiences, the children's experiences. It's wonderful to have a disclaimer to exempt the mother from the damage that is done to the children. Mothers are people, as was disclaimed. But the daughters are the ones that need to have the healing. It's the daughters who we need to focus on. It's a very tempting pitfall to fall into the trap that we need to focus on the mothers and empathize with the mothers, whereas it's the daughters who are the ones who are suffering. It's the daughters who are the ones who need to heal it's the daughters who are the ones who need to establish an independent identity we need to be careful of not leaving the daughters out of the conversation leaving the development of the daughters out of the conversation and how important it is for daughters to develop an independent identity outside of that relationship to their mothers thanks um good good day good morning clement what i've picked up from experience is that it's not mostly daughters that want to appease the mother daughters are oversharing, so they will share a lot with their moms but the sons are the ones that take instructions from their moms the sons are the ones that do as mommy says hi clement um i definitely agree with one of the messages that you read um my experience with my mother has been that she's never wanted me to be like her but has always taught us to be to be better so it's not a matter of them living vicariously through me but she's always pushed me to do better and be better which i i definitely appreciate oh thank you so much for that voice note um another person says hi clement i think uh, too, that some mothers will support their children provided they do as they are told. The moment you want to carve your 
individuality then you are on your own to experience life Yo, i'm going to take more of your voice notes i'm going to take more of your messages coming through as well your calls as well on 011-883-0702 uh genie um someone spoke about daughters needing to heal and how they can somehow cultivate their independent identity um, someone said that daughters sometimes are oversharing to their mothers. Any reflections on that voice note? Uh, and I want us to also get into how do the daughters get themselves out of the shackles or even the sons so that they they cultivate their independent identity. Yeah, there was such a beautiful voice note there from Jean. And definitely not to say, well, it's okay for um, people to have um, interactional injuries just because the other person didn't mean to give them that injury. That's definitely not the case. But it's important to remember that daughters um, grow up to become mothers too. Um, and we don't want people to grow up um, with that that pressure of having to be a perfect mother, which then just adds to that those layers of guilt and shame and all the rest. And understanding not why, but how these um, relational dynamics development develop and how they get maintained is incredibly important to breaking those. And when unfortunately you have grown up as a daughter with a mother who has been conditionally accepting, which we hear from Tepelo, which we hear from um, Amy agreed so true, we hear from our last um, voice note there, um, and even mothers pushing their, their children to, in what their view is to be better, there's an element of conditional acceptance. And when there's, um, when there's unconditional acceptance, they're pushing to be better, which our second last voice note said, that can be very encouraging and motivating. But when there is that conditional acceptance of if you aren't better than my circumstance or if you aren't fulfilling that role of what I think is a pain-free life, what I think is right or good, then we can get situations like Tepelo had where you end up being so fearful of your mother's disapproval that you actually go and forge your university transcript, which is so courageous for Tepelo to share with us and I think so many people will really appreciate that sharing um, and how vulnerably and, and courageously Tapelo shared that with us. So the question of how to how to heal from the mother wound um, is to seek help um, through working through the interactional consequences of the mother wound, especially around setting boundaries. So it's very difficult for people that have had conditionally accepting mothers, disapproving mothers, controlling mothers to set effective boundaries. As you said at the beginning of the segment, Clement, around, you know, people not doing the things that they want to do and being over accommodating to please the environment. This can be a learned pattern of interaction that people um, perpetuate and repeat in other relationships because they've learned this is how I get acceptance and thereby gain um, ensure survival by being this over accommodating in my relationship with, with my mother. And one way, one beautiful way of doing that, obviously, you know, I'm a therapist, so I always recommend go to therapy, but if you aren't able to go to therapy, it doesn't, not for you. I think that the work of Brene Brown is specifically relevant here in terms of learning to accept yourself or learning to rather believe that you're worthy of love and acceptance, even if you are, as Brene Brown puts it, imperfect and hardwired for struggle. So working through that, what Brene Brown says, vulnerability, I prefer to call visibility and visibility in terms of setting effective boundaries and making yourself clear, um, even though that might not always meet with the approval of the environment. So the healing will come through other relationships in which you learn to set more effective boundaries and learn to um, accept yourself as you are without having to seek the approval of other people. And it's important to remember the difference between acceptance and approval. Acceptance is I take you as you are. And approval is I take you because I like these certain things about you mm. that I 
and judged as appropriate and desirable. Yeah, yeah. Um, on Twitter, Miss K says, Clem, I took a stand and told my mom I'm not like her and she must respect my decisions as a woman. From there, things changed and we have a better relationship now. And then Insomniac Angel also on Twitter says, a mother shouldn't pleasurize her children to be mommy-pleasing mini-me's. A mother's love should be unconditional. Children should be allowed space to be themselves, to develop their own uniqueness and to fail and learn from their own mistakes. So thank you for your contribution on that front as well. On the SMS line on 31702, uh, a listener says, Oh, Clement, this is such a lovely topic. As a woman, I'm so completely unlike my old-fashioned and largely patriarchal mother. Uh, Because of this, I often feel that I am never enough. Um, I'm over, I'm 50 now. How can I stop caring Oh, Jeannie, um, this is someone who says they are the opposite of the mom, but there's that feeling of they're not adequate and they don't explain really what makes them feel adequate, whether it's things that the mom has done. And they're asking, how do they stop caring? It's such a beautiful question. And I don't think it's a matter of not caring, but I think it's a matter of learning to tolerate the discomfort of other people's disapproval. And I want to, I want to, um, link it back to the, um, second voice note that we, that you read out there, um, or message that you read out there, Clement, on the WhatsApp line about the person who asked about gambling. And are they a gambler because their mother is a gambler? So obviously there's an element there of learned behavior and a family culture that, okay, my mother gambled. I'm exposed to it. But it's also important to remember that addiction is about um, regulating and soothing the central nervous system from the outside in, which the person is not able to do from the inside out. So mother, the mother-child bond is incredibly important for the central nervous system to learn to self-regulate. There have been a lot of studies done on cradling, which is how we picture, how we hold babies. And most people, not everybody, but most people, the vast majority, Almost everybody hold, cradles the baby to the left. And a lot of studies have been done about why is that the case. And the most recent consensus is that we hold cradle babies to the left so that they can look at the left-hand side of our face. And the left-hand side of our face shows what's happening on the right-hand side of our brain. And on the right-hand side of our brain is our right-hand amygdala. And the right-hand amygdala is important for self-regulation. So if your mother is dysregulated in her central nervous system and you as a baby are looking at that side of her face, there is a good chance that you can also be dysregulated in your central nervous system. Now, people who are dysregulated in their central nervous systems, first of all, can develop addictions like gambling or many other addictions. But also, in my experience, people who have got dysregulated central nervous systems are also very fearful of judgment and rejection from other people because they can't regulate themselves through uncomfortable emotion like disapproval. So I don't think a person, unless you are a sociopath, which you you can't choose to be, it it just happens, you are going to care what other people think. Everybody cares what other people think. And it's an important part of creating bonds and and socializing. But so it's not about not caring what other people think. It's about learning to tolerate the discomfort that ensues by meeting with the disapproval of other people and choosing your authentic options anyway. And having a regulated central nervous system is an important part of that. I'm going to take a quick ad break now and then we'll continue with some calls and voice notes. And yeah, you continue sharing your experiences. And as I said, I'd like to hear from the mothers as well. Mothers, how do you look at the relationship you have with your daughters? How do you 
analyze the relationship you have with your children? Do you feel that you have put that pressure on them, right, to please and impress you? Have you given them the space to do what they want, even if it's contrary to what you want, right? Even in the advice that you give, do you give it as an option or does it come out as an instruction? What are the lessons um, you have learned in raising your daughters, in raising um, your sons as well? I'd like to hear from you on 011 And as daughters as well, are you like that other listener who says she had to forge her results just to impress and please her mother, right? Those are the extraordinary lengths that some people have to go to just to please and impress their mothers. How's your relationship with your mother? How's your relationship with your daughter? I'll get to your experiences after this. 702 Family Matters. Nine minutes before 12 o'clock. Let's go to Esselen Park in Tembisa. Alfred, good morning. Good morning, Mr. Yatil. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm good, but I can't complain. No one listen anyway. Uh, I've got a quick one here, bro. Listen, I've been listening to the conversation about yeah. blah, blah, blah. I'm very much interested in that, but now to give you a little little piece of my mind on that, which I very much believe, Kevin, that, you know, keep, keep a very specific. And then uh, I think if, I think it would be much better if we can, instead of, you know, commanding them what to do, you know, forcing them to be the mini-me, mm. you know, to show them the way, you know what I mean? Because, I mean, your your, your kid is choosing to, she want to be a doctor, but you must look at, at her as a parent, you know your key. You can see this one can be you, closely. This one can be you. You understand? You need to guide him or her based on what he's been given by God. Instead of you mm. trying to tell me to be a doctor, it is, to me, it's not, it's not on us. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And, and as parents, I mean, sometimes just understand that I would have wanted my kid to be in this career path, but this is a decision they've taken. And you know, Ginny, I got a message uh, from Lindy who says, uh, wonderful topic. May I suggest that um, you have one like this for dads and their sons mainly? And yeah, Lindy, that's exactly what we'll do. Uh, we wanted to focus specifically on this one for mothers, uh, particularly and their daughters. And and Lindy says, my son and his dad haven't been on speaking terms for six years now, only because my son disagreed with him on a career path. Basically, uh, the father has decided you are no longer my son anymore, so to speak. And and Jeannie, I want us to translate that to mothers because sometimes that is the case. As a mother, right, if there's a mother listening to us now and realizes that how they have been acting and behaving towards their children and towards their daughters has been about forceful and instructive, how do they change course? What is it that they can do to allow their daughters to be to have their own independent lives and independent identity. And yes, you must come in and advise where you can, but understand and respect that this is not my life to live. And these are the decisions, final decisions, that the daughter has to take. And I can only do as far as this and accept whatever decision they take. So beautiful. Thank you so much to um, to Alfred for calling in and Lindy for bringing that up. Um, Alfred, you very um, I love what you were sharing there and I can very much... Um, echo your sentiments. I think the first thing, and indeed, yes, very much, we will definitely get into the father-son dynamic and, and father-daughter dynamic also. Um, I think that, Clement, to answer your question, the first thing is to, first of all, as a parent, 
is to realize that there is no such thing as a pain-free life. That whatever choices your children make are not going to guarantee them a pain-free life, no matter which choices they are. If they're a doctor, if they're a lawyer, if they marry the right person, if they do whatever that is, life comes with pain. And so whatever choice your child makes, they are going to have some pain. In every life, a little bit of rain must fall. And so to allow your children to make their choices, and yes, you definitely do need to guide them, and trusting in two things. Trusting, first of all, in the your relationship with them, that if things go pear-shaped and if things don't work out, that your child can have you as that soft landing and that relationship in which they can lick their wounds, learn from their mistakes, and try again. And secondly, trusting in the resilience of your child, that if they do fail or fall or make a mistake and a wrong choice, that they can learn from it and continue. Um, it reminded me so much, um, Alfred's call there, of something very beautiful that a friend of mine, um, her name is Julia McIntyre, that she wrote and she shared it on Facebook. And she said there that um, you need to take a step back with your children. They are unfolding as they are intended to. This is a painting that doesn't require you to put one ounce of paint on the canvas. It's all their paints, their vision, their dreams and their ideas. You could and should contribute guidance for the painting, lessons learned, good questions and foresight. But the painting is all for them to paint. And I think that's such a beautiful metaphor. She says here they need your love, your unconditional belief and your support. Doesn't mean that they need your approval in everything. You can give your, your opinion and share with them what you think, but it can't come with threat of, um, threat of rejection or threat of disapproval or threat of disengagement from them because that's when it becomes unconditional acceptance and unconditional love. So I think those two most important things that I can just summarize there are understanding that no matter how hard you try and no matter if your child does exactly as you tell them to do, they're not going to have a pain-free life because there is no such thing. Trust in their resilience and trust in the relationship that they can come to you and heal and learn and grow and choose better again. And secondly, realizing that they are an individual person, not an extension of you, that it's their painting, that you can give your guidance and your expertise and your experience, but it's their paints and it's for them to put on the canvas. Yeah, and and just the the importance of having that conversation as well, Jeannie. The the last uh, previous message I read, um, the daughter says she had to. In fact, it was a tweet, and she says I had to sit my mum down and say this is my life, and you need to allow me uh, to make my own decisions and not do what you want. And and she says after that communication, that discussion, she's had an incredible relationship with the mother, and she's allowing her to be. So how important is that? like just being brave enough to start that discussion and it may be uncomfortable, but when you express how you feel um, and maybe that's where it starts, where the mom now starts respecting your own decisions and respects that you are living your own independent life and you've got your own independent identity. I think it's definitely worth a try, but sometimes people are so rigid and so unable to have empathy for other people, especially their children. Um, I think it's very difficult for mothers to have empathy for their children because empathy, not, not compassion, empathy is being able to see something from another person's perspective exclusively. And when it's your child, you always mix your own emotions in there. So I think some people, it's worth a try if you haven't tried it before without blaming or criticizing, which will always elicit defensiveness. It's worth a try. But it's also important to remember that some people are not able to change and you have to then change your proximity to them yeah. and being able to tolerate even if that person doesn't change and it's wonderful that that she had that experience and her mom was able to hear her and able it's beautiful but not every mother is going to be able to do that and if you've tried to do that 
Then the next step after that, if the mother still doesn't change, is learning to tolerate her disapproval and okay. finding your bliss in your authenticity anyway. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Jeannie, thank you so much for always being wonderful in guiding us through this discussion. We'll have you again uh, when we discuss uh, the, the other layers of this discussion, dads and their sons as well. Uh, thanks for making time.